We are um, continuing today in our series on Lent. We are currently going through the period of Lent right now, and our series is called Weak Made Strong. Weak Made Strong. Lent is a period where we focus upon um, our brokenness as a people and the brokenness that is in this world because of sin. Sin has certainly led to a tremendous amount of brokenness in this world. Two weeks ago, I talked about how creation is groaning. Our bodies are groaning. We are longing for Jesus to come and to renew all things because of how broken our world has gotten because of sin. Last week, Chuck talked about um, the mourning that we experience because of loss uh, that we experience in this life and, and how Jesus is our only comforter, the God that we can turn to for comfort. This week, continuing in that theme, I want to talk specifically about anxiety and, and, and the fear and the stress that comes out of anxiety because certainly due to the brokenness of our world, there is a lot of anxiety in this world, isn't there? There is a tremendous amount of anxiety right now, perhaps more than there's been in a long time in America because of the brokenness that we're experiencing here in our country, around the world, and also in ourselves. Um, I, I want to point out this uh, survey by the American Psychological Association that just came out. Um, this is a survey called Stress in America, and um, this survey took place in February and early March of this year. So basically, this is information from surveying people just over the past month or so. So it's a very, very current view of what people are stressed by, what they're feeling anxiety uh, about. Um, so here's some of, the, some of the information. Now, there's a ton of stuff here, but I wanted to point out a few things here. Now, I know it can be difficult to, to read this, the, you know, it's small here, things like that, but they found some really, really alarming things. For example, people are, are so anxious and stressed about inflation and rising prices and also about the war that is happening in Ukraine that this is the highest stress levels that they've recorded in this survey since the survey began in 2007. So in the past 15 years, they've not seen people this stressed. This stressed, as, as compared to right now, this is the most stressed that they found people. 87% of people said that rise in prices of everyday items due to inflation are causing anxiety and stress in their lives. I, I you know... I'm, I'm driving to Costco now for my gas. I drive out of the way to go get gas. And there are people, uh, maybe some of you, right? We feel the, the pressures that are coming from inflation and, and prices and things uh, going up. People are extremely concerned about what's going on in Ukraine right now and what's happening there. Um, it, interestingly enough, here in this next slide, it says 67% of the people who responded say that they were worried that 69% said that they were worried that this was going to lead to nuclear war, to nuclear war. 69% also said that they're afraid that we're at the beginning stages of World War III, of World War III. That, that, is, that is a high level of stress and anxiety. This is the kind of um, fears and anxieties that, you know, I... I only heard about back in like, you know, the Bay of Pigs, right? The, the crisis in Cuban Missile Crisis, things like that during the Cold War. 
These are, are, are things that we haven't really stressed about since then for the most part. And not only is you know, Russia one of the, the nuclear superpowers of the world, they have more nuclear weapons than any other country in the world, but actually statements from their head of state, Vladimir Putin, about possibly using these things, like these are things that were unthinkable just even a few months ago. And they're causing an extremely high level of anxiety. 87% um, say that it feels like the past two years, it's been crisis after crisis after crisis without any relief. And, and I think a lot of us can relate to that as well, whether it was through, through COVID or, or the political turmoil, social justice issues, the war in Ukraine, um, all sorts of different things again and again and again, people are feeling anxious and stressed. The survey showed that one in five Americans have been drinking more alcohol in order to cope with pandemic stress. One-fifth of people are drinking more because they feel so anxious or stressed about COVID. The average number of drinks is uh, two per week for people who didn't feel like they were drinking more, but those who are drinking more to cope are having 10 drinks on average per week. People are stressed, they're anxious about COVID, and they're turning to different things for it. 58% have either gained weight that they didn't want to gain or lost weight that they didn't want to lose because of anxiety and stress due to COVID. COVID's also caused parents, if there are any parents in the room, to be more stressed as well. About 70% of them feel like their kids are stressed because they feel like their kids are falling behind in their development, socially, academically, in their emotional health, their cognitive development, their physical health. Um, there are all sorts of things that they are dealing with. The constant changes going on in the kids' schools and daycare and needing to figure out how to take care of them, how to work at the same time, and all these things have led to a lot of stress for parents. And, and that's just a few of the bigger things over the past few years. There's, a, there's another survey here from a, a, a very well here that points out many other things too that I didn't even talk about there. Natural disasters, food shortages and famine, clean water shortages, cyber attacks, air quality, um, even artificial intelligence. Don't forget Elon's warning, right? Don't forget Elon's warning. If the robots get too smart, Skynet will go online and it will happen here first in Silicon Valley. Where else is it gonna happen? It's gonna happen here if it happens anywhere. There are all sorts of things that people are worried about. Asteroids, meteor impact, 4%, 4%. There are people worried, maybe some of you. You love astronomy, it's a real risk, right? There are a lot of things that they're worried about. Maybe things that aren't on here as well. All sorts of different things. Um, the, the AAPI violence that we, we hear about close to home, up in San Francisco, or from my old hometown in New York, there are people who feel nervous walking home by themselves or, or, or late at night. Um, maybe you're anxious about your career. Have you made the right career decision? Are you working in the right field? Did you study the right thing? Maybe you're anxious about that. Maybe you're anxious about still being single. You had thought that you would be married by now, that you'd have kids by now, and, and you're anxious because you're not in a place where you thought you would be by now in terms of relationships. Maybe you're anxious about just the future in general. It just feels so out of control. 
There are so many things that people are anxious about. Maybe I've made you more anxious by this list of things. If I did, I'm sorry. You'll have a lot of application from this sermon today. But there is a lot of anxiety in society right now. And it is, it is palpable. It is palpable. And I'm sure that for many of us in this room, we carry different anxieties and fears and stresses as well. And that's why today I want to look at 1 Peter chapter 5, which I think um, speaks to this a lot and has a lot here that is so important in teaching us about anxiety and how to deal with our anxieties in a biblical way. Let me read first here verses 5 through 7. It says this, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Now, uh, what does Peter say we should do with our anxieties? the anxieties that we carry, maybe on a daily basis. Well, he says to us here, he says that we are to cast all of those anxieties onto God. That's what we are to do. All of them. All of our anxieties, we are to take them and cast them onto God. This word casting when he says we're to cast them, it shows up in only one other place in the New Testament, and that's in Luke chapter 19, when Jesus was entering Jerusalem. And it says here, and they brought it, the colt, the donkey, to Jesus, and throwing, it's the same word there, same verb, casting their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. So the picture uh, that we get from Luke 19 of what we're supposed to do with our anxieties is we're supposed to take them and we're supposed to throw them. We're supposed to cast them like these people did their cloaks upon this cult. And then when they threw, when they cast their, cults, their cloaks upon this cult, they were no longer carrying their cloaks, but this cult was bearing their cloaks. In a similar way, we are to cast our anxieties, all of them, upon God so that we're no longer carrying them. But God is carrying the burden of our anxieties for us. That's the picture of what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be throwing, we're supposed to be casting these anxieties upon Jesus. And, and Peter says, all of them. Cast all your anxieties, every single one. That reminds me of Philippians when Paul said similarly, do not be anxious about anything. <laughs> Nada, zip, zilch, zero, nothing. Don't be anxious about anything. We are to give all of these anxieties to God. Now, let me, let me caveat that just to say, so that we don't get the wrong idea here. This doesn't mean, oh, don't be anxious if you're irresponsible and you don't do the things that you're supposed to do and life gets messed up because of that. Don't be anxious about that. Just give it to God and God will take care of it. No, that's not what I mean. 
We are called to be responsible. We are called to do the things that we're supposed to do. I remember when I was in college at one point, I had this class where 50% of the grade would come from the midterm, and then 50% of the grade would come from the final exam. That's it. No homework, no nothing. I don't think the teacher cared if we came to class. 50% of the midterm, 50% on the final grade. And when you go into the beginning of the year, you're like, ah, oh, no big deal. I'm fine. I'm going to study. I'll be fine. Then I find out too, oh, the teacher is making the midterm optional. So you can actually make 100% of your grade be based on the final exam. I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. You know, as we approach midterm time, you know what happens, or at least this is what I would do. I was like, oh, midterm's coming. I don't really feel ready for the midterm. It's okay. I'll wait till the final exam. I'll be fine. Put 100%. It's 100%. I'm going to do great. I'm going to get an A. Days go by in the semester, we come to 36 hours before the final exam. And then I realize I did not study yet for this final exam. In fact, I had no idea what was going on in the class. What is this final exam going to be on? I looked, it's going to be on these two books, two books that I have read zero of. So anxiety came upon me um, like the Bible says, like a robber in the middle of the night. I freaked out. I went into the library. I went into the basement level of the library with these two books, and I stayed there for 36 hours. I slept there on the floor of the library. I did nothing. I didn't brush my teeth. I stayed there for 36 hours reading these two books filled with dread and anxiety because of what I had done. That's, that's not what I'm talking about. I, you can't cast that upon the Lord. Here you go, Lord. No need for me to be anxious. That's on me. That's on me, okay? That's on you if you did that too. That's not what Peter, that's not what Paul is talking about here. He is talking about things that are um, often out of our control. Things that we, we saw in that APA survey, whether it's the war in Ukraine or COVID or different things or political instability, those are the things that Peter is saying, all of the, those types of things that make you anxious, take those anxieties and cast them upon the Lord. Give them to God, all of them, every single one. Now, I think the, um, the obvious question that would come up here is, well, Ulysses, that is certainly easier said than done. How do we do that? Just Oh, I'm going to take all my anxieties. You're, you're right, Ulysses. I shouldn't be anxious about them. Here you go, God. I won't be anxious about them anymore. It seems so unrealistic. It's so much easier said than done. How do we do this? Why should we, what's going to make us want to do this? Well, from this passage today, I want to point out three things. I want to make three points here about anxiety that hopefully will help us and encourage us to cast them upon the Lord. And then one practical thing about what we can do, how we can, we can do this. Um, so if we look here, again, at this passage, one thing I want to point out, the first point that I want to make here is this. Peter says, humble yourselves. Very interestingly, he says, humble yourselves. Now, when we think about being humble, what do we usually think? If somebody tells you to be humble, what do they usually mean? They mean, oh, don't, don't be arrogant. Don't think that you're better than other people because 
you have a better job or you make more money or you went to this or that school or, or because you're better looking or, or whatever. Don't be proud. Don't think that you're better than other people. That's usually what we think about, right? When we think about being humble. Oh, I need to have humility. I shouldn't think of myself in such a haughty, holier than thou, I'm better than other people way. But Peter here talks about humility in a very interesting thing here. He says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. And then he says, casting all your anxieties on him. So the word here, casting, is a participle. So casting is connected, it's related to humble. What is Peter saying? Peter's saying, humble yourself. How? How do we humble ourselves? One way to humble yourself is by casting all your anxieties on God. That is how it modifies humble. This is how we humble ourselves. We cast our anxieties on God. Now, the question naturally would be, what does humility have to do with anxiety? How, how does humbling myself lead to casting my anxieties upon God? What's the connection here? Because it certainly doesn't seem natural. Well, the connection is this. This is the connection between humility and anxiety. Listen carefully. When we are anxious and when we worry, that is a form of pride. That's a form of pride. Pride? How so? What do you mean? Thomas Schreiner, theologian, explained this really well. Let me just read to you what he wrote here. He will answer this for us. He said, worry is a form of pride because when believers are filled with anxiety, they are convinced that they must solve all the problems in their lives in their own strength. The only God they trust in is themselves. When believers throw their worries upon God, they express their trust in his mighty hand, acknowledging that he is Lord and sovereign over all of life. As Gopelt says, affliction either drives one into the arms of God or severs one from God. That's the connection between humility and anxiety. When we are anxious, when we are stressed and nervous and worrying and, and anxiety takes over, what we are really doing is saying, God, I don't trust you, or I don't think you're able, I don't think you're in control, I don't think you're sovereign, I, I, I don't trust you to be able to handle these things in the universe. So I am going to be anxious. I am going to be thinking about what I can do, how I can control the situation, how I can fix things. In other words, move over, God. I have to be God. I'm going to be God because I need to fix this. I need to figure out what to do. I need to make things happen. That's what anxiety is rooted. That's why anxiety is rooted in pride. It says, God, you don't know what you're doing, or I can't really trust you. We don't say that out loud if you're a Christian. We say, oh yeah, God's sovereign. He's good. He's in control. But our daily anxiety betrays the fact that we think that we're God. I got to do this. 
I'm going to take care of things. I'm going to take care of my children. I'm going to take care of my family. I'm going to take care of my finances. It's on me. That's what anxiety is rooted in. We're not letting God be God. Jesus made a similar point, I think, in the Sermon on the Mount. When he told the people, he said, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life. Do you hear what Jesus is saying here? He's saying, don't be anxious because you can't increase your life by even one hour. You're not God. (laughs) You're not God. God is God. So don't be anxious. Give your anxieties to God. Trust him because he is sovereign and in control of all things. But when we say that I'm going to be anxious, what we're saying is, I don't trust in God. I trust in myself. Is that perhaps if we were to look deep inside our hearts this morning, could that be true for some of us here this morning? That your anxiety, it's not just stemming from world events and what's going on around you. We could, those are the superficial things that we can point to. Those are the superficial things that we can point to. Say, oh yeah, I'm anxious because of war in Ukraine. I'm anxious because of COVID. Let's go a level deeper, a layer deeper. Are you anxious because you don't believe that God's sovereign and you're in the place of God right now and you're trying to figure out how to make life the way you want it to be? Could that be what is happening in your life? Second point here, why we shouldn't be anxious. Peter also says, and you will find this quote in James as well, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Brothers and sisters, friends, God is deeply committed to his own glory. He is committed to his own glory to being exalted, to being worshipped in the way that he deserves. And he deserves it. He rightfully deserves all the worship and all the glory because he is perfect in beauty, in holiness, in power, in every single way. This is why when we worship God, it doesn't mean God is vain. He's not a God of vanity. But worshiping God is the proper, right thing to do because God is who he is. Because he is the all-powerful, good, loving, holy, mighty God of the universe. It is the right thing for us to do. And God will not share his glory with another, with anyone else. This is why God opposes the proud he opposes those people who would say, God, get, out of the, get off the throne. I'm going to sit there because I need to be God and I need to take care of all of these things that are going haywire in my life. That robs him of his glory. That says to the world through our actions, our anxious actions, says to the world, God can't be trusted. God can't be trusted. That's what we're declaring. As much as we stand here and we sing on Sundays, we worship God, we say, God, you're awesome, you're holy, we love you. When we're anxious, we're declaring to the world, God can't be trusted. No, 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 take care of things yourself. You fix it. I got to fix it. God can't be trusted. Aren't you Christian? I am, but God can't be trusted. 
That's what we declare just as loudly with our anxieties. And it takes the glory. It robs God of the glory that he is due. And when we do that, we, God opposes that kind of proud pride. When God sees that in us, you know, what he may say at times is, you know what, if, if that's what you think, go ahead, give it a try. You try and run things yourself. Ironically, ironically, our own anxiety blocks us from experiencing the very grace of God that we need. But when we humble ourselves and we look instead to God and we choose not to be anxious, but we choose to cast them upon the Lord, we experience God's grace because God's grace works in weakness. He makes the weak strong because in our dependence upon him, it opens up the channel for God to come and to work in our lives in a powerful, mighty way giving us the peace, giving us peace in the midst of a crazy, broken world, in the midst of everything going on around us. Don't be anxious because your anxiety puts up a wall that hinders the grace of God from flowing in your life. It does the exact opposite of what you are hoping for. Third point here. Peter says that we are to humble ourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. This third point is about the right combination. What do I mean by that? Well, why is God somebody that we can trust? Why is God somebody that we can give our anxieties to? Two things. And this is the perfect combination. First, God's got a mighty hand. A mighty hand. In other words, he's all-powerful. He is all-powerful. This language, mighty hand of God, is something that comes up multiple times in the Old Testament, and particularly as it deals with the Israelites being rescued out of Egypt. For example, in Deuteronomy, it says, And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with great deeds of terror, with signs and wonders, one of the archetypal examples of the mighty hand of God, of the power of God, was in the Old Testament when the, Egypt, when the Israelites were brought out of Egypt, when God brought the 10 plagues upon Egypt that nobody had ever seen before, when God split open the Red Sea and the Israelites walked through on dry ground, and then when Pharaoh and his chariots and his horsemen went in, the waters closed upon them and they drowned, and God delivered his people. The Bible says, who's ever done that? Who's ever seen that? Where a God went into a nation to take a people out of the nation for himself. Who's ever seen that? God, his mighty hand, did that. So Peter is saying, we can give our anxieties to God because he's got a mighty hand. Not only that, the second thing is, is that he also cares for you. God is not only mighty and all-powerful, but he cares for you. How much does he care for you? John tells us, in this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. How much does God care about you? He cares about you so much 
that he took his own son, Jesus, and sent him to the cross to die upon the cross for you, for me, so that anybody who believes in him would be saved from our sins and have everlasting life. That Does God care about you? God doesn't care about me. All he did was send his own son to die for me upon the cross. Okay, I guess he does care about me. Does God care about you? He cares about you so much. He gave his own son. He watched his own son be tortured and die upon a cross so that you could have life because of his love for you. That's how much God cares for you. And you see, when you have these two things, you have an incredible combination. Look, if you have any one but not the other, you have a problem. If God is powerful but uncaring, but he doesn't care about you, he's got a mighty hand, but he doesn't care about you, that leads to fear. This powerful God can take his thumb and just squash me under it because he doesn't like me, he doesn't care about me, or I could be suffering and he doesn't care. He just watches. Maybe he laughs. If God is caring, but he's powerless, that leads to despair. God's like this like a, you know, cheerleader on the side going, go, 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 you. Oh, no, something terrible happened to you, but I can't help you. I'm going to send you nice thoughts, and, and I hope you will do really well and make it through this terrible ordeal. If, if that's God, he cares, but he's powerless, that leads to despair. Thanks a lot, God. Thanks for the thoughts while I suffer here. You can't do anything for me. But if God is both powerful and caring, that leads to an incredible confidence. That this God who can do anything also loves me so much that he gave his own son for me. When we really understand that and we really take that in, this is the source of our strength and our confidence to be able to say, God, I cast all my anxieties upon you. Not that life isn't hard. Not that war isn't real. Not that COVID isn't real. Not any of those, not, not that none of these things are real. They are real. But we can still take these anxieties and give them and cast them upon the Lord because he is powerful and he cares about you. And it gives you the confidence to be able to walk through this life in peace because this is who our God is. So, three points. What do we do? Verses 8 through the end here, and I'm going to close up. As Peter says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now, 
What do we do? Specifically here, Peter says, resist him. Resist the devil. How do we resist the devil? By, you know, taking a crucifix and going and doing exorcism and exorcisms and casting out demons and taking a sword and running in there to fight the devil and, you know, slash and and kill him and attack him? Is that how we resist the devil? No, that's not how we resist the devil. We resist the devil by being firm in our faith, by being firm in our faith. Brothers and sisters, Peter says that the devil is like a roaring lion prowling around and he wants to devour you. He wants to devour you. He wants to to eat you. He wants to take you out. How do we resist him? By being firm in our faith, by choosing not to give in to our anxieties. You see, because that's what the devil, the devil doesn't come and, (laughs) I always use this example, I don't know why. He doesn't come and wake you up at 3 a.m. in your bed and you look at him and he's red with these horns and smoke coming out of his ears and glowing eyes and a pitchfork and like, ah! And you're like, ah! Oh my gosh, so frightening, right? That's, that's, That's not how the devil comes to try to devour you. The devil's smarter than that. The devil tries to devour you by telling you, God can't be trusted. You have reason to be anxious. You know what? If you don't take care of this, nobody will. God, you can't. Come on. Let's be realistic here. You can't trust. You got to do it yourself. And the more we believe that, The more we live that way, the more we become our own God and we don't let God be God, the more we are being devoured by the devil because we're walking away from God with the devil's ultimate goal being that we walk away from the faith. And if you walk away from the faith, you are devoured. If you're anxious and you're trusting in yourself, the devil is already feeding upon you. We resist the devil by saying, no, I'm going to be firm in my faith. I'm going to trust that God is who he says he is, all-powerful and caring, and therefore worthy of my trust. Peter also says, be sober-minded, be watchful. And this really reminds me, you know, how do we be sober-minded? How do we be watchful? This really reminds me of Jesus when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane with his disciples. When he said to them, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. He told them, watch and pray. Be on your guard because the devil is going to seek to tempt you. He's going to seek to tempt you and to pull you away from God, pull you away from faith. And what did he say to do? Pray. Brothers and sisters, we need to pray. We give our anxieties to God through prayer. Going back to Philippians again, Paul said this in the same passage that we looked at earlier when he said, do not be anxious about anything, right? Anything. Give it all to God. Don't be anxious about any of it. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. How do we, 
How do we give these anxieties to God? I wish it were as simple as saying, God, I'm going to choose not to be anxious anymore about this. I'm going to trust you completely. I was anxious. No more. It usually doesn't happen like that. It usually happens through a struggle of prayer. Like Paul is saying here, through prayer, through supplication, thanking God at the same time. We let our requests be made known to God. We come to him and we give him these anxieties through prayer. That's the channel through which we cast them upon the Lord. Brothers and sisters, we need to pray. I want to make another shameless plug for Tuesday night when we gather to pray from 7 to 9. If you, if you have anxieties that you're struggling with, that first hour, seven to eight, that is for you. That is when you can come and you can pray for whatever you want to pray for. You can sit there, you can read the Bible, you can dance, you can do whatever you want. I want to encourage you. Come and bring those things. Enter into prayer. Wrestle through prayer this Tuesday to give those anxieties to God. Maybe you got to come and you got to say, God, I just, I just don't want to be afraid anymore. I don't want to be somebody who needs to be in control of everything and in my life. I, I want to be somebody who can trust you even when the future is unknown, when things are uncertain. God, help take this from me. Take it from me, God. Take it from me. God, I'm so fearful about, about COVID, about this war, about different things, God, and I want to I give that to you. I want to give you these anxieties, and I want you to give me your peace in return. Help me to know, help me to see that you are in control, that you are mighty, and that you love me. Let me experience that anew from you. I want to encourage you, brothers and sisters, come out and pray with us. And learn, let us learn, let us enter into this struggle of giving these anxieties to God. Brothers and sisters, when we give our anxieties to God, it's really important to understand that it doesn't mean God is going to take away every source of pain in your life. That you will never get sick again, and you're going to live to 100, and then one day you're just going to die in your sleep. You're never, ever going to experience anything painful again. In fact, when you, go to the, when you go shopping, the cashier's going to say to you, oh, inflation? No. 2019 prices for you. That's, that's not going to happen. <laughs> if it does, let me know, and please come pray for me. We, there will be pain in this world. There will be suffering. But what it does mean is that if we humble ourselves beneath his mighty hand, God will give you the grace to stand firm now in your faith. And he will give you the hope also to look forward and to know that Jesus will return and that he will bring with him his heavenly reward. I don't invite the worship team up at this point. And can we all stand together? And, and let's come before the Lord this morning in prayer. What I want to invite us to do right now is um, maybe something a little bit different uh, if it is new for you in terms of dealing with our anxieties. I want to invite you to come before the Lord and to take a couple of minutes to repent. Um, 
if there are anxieties within you, um, if there are ways, possibly, as you've been listening to this message, maybe you thought, oh, I was just anxious. Of course, everybody's anxious because there are so many things going on. If you, if you knew what was going on in my life, you'd be anxious too. Yeah, I, I understand that. But if we go a level deeper, maybe if this is resonating with you, maybe you've been putting yourself in the place of God. And God is, is challenging you this morning to say, son, daughter, time to get out of the driver's seat. Give me the wheel. Time to, to let me be God. So you can experience the grace that I give to the humble. I want to invite you, let's take a couple of minutes right now and, um, and just come and just bring before the Lord whatever those anxieties are and, and let's repent. Say, God, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, I've, I've been trying to control my universe, control my world. And I know there are some of us in here where maybe you feel like you're, you know, if you're honest, you're a control freak. You're afraid, fear, failure afraid of what may happen. Can we bring that before God this morning and repent of that, humble ourselves beneath this mighty hand so that you can experience the grace that you need this morning, his grace, his mighty hand in your life to give you peace and to comfort you and to give you a renewed trust in him. As the worship team prays, let's take a couple minutes and let's just quietly right now, quietly, Bring our hearts before God right now. Let's repent of that and open up that channel to the grace of God this morning. Whatever was blocking it, fear, distrust, let's open up that channel to the grace of God. Let's do that right now.